Dry January is just around the corner and I have some tips to help you drink less and drink better. So pick your non-alcoholic poison and let's dive in. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. So ever since this clip from the episode I did with Sherman the Booth went viral, I knew I had to do a full-blown episode on Dry January. I've talked about low alcohol a lot on my podcast, but I figured it deserved its own episode because the truth of the matter is sober curiosity is getting big in our nightlife scene. And I have been on this wave for about two years, almost two years now. So I figured that it would be beneficial to impart some of my wisdom onto you guys, especially as dry January approaches and people are thinking about cutting back on their booze intake. First, I want to get into some surprising facts about alcohol before we get into the tips. And None of this is to scare you, okay? Everything I'm about to say, like this isn't dare. If you remember dare from school, it's not that. I'm not here to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do because I still drink alcohol. I still indulge. So this is not, you know, one of those shows where I'm gonna preach abstinence and, you know, just preach in general. That's that's not me. Um, life is full of toxins, <laughs> like that's what makes life worth living, right? Like I, I try to live a healthy lifestyle, but I love chocolate. I love, um, candy, which is really disgusting. I mean, I love pasta and, uh, everything in moderation, even moderation, right? So not preaching here. The name of the game is mindfulness. So when we're aware of some of the negative impacts of booze, we can be a little bit more mindful of how we incorporate it into our life. And um, alcohol impacts every part of our bodies. And that's that's really the message I want to get across. Um, You know, we we know in the moment it can impair our judgment, our center of gravity. Um, It can give us a tummy ache. We know all of that already. But one surprising thing you may not know or consider is alcohol's effect on your gut microbiome. And so I want to start with that because I am going through some gut health GI issues right now. So I found this extremely pertinent. Um, So I have this one study here done in 2017. It's called alcohol and gut derived inflammation. So um, it's done by all uh, professors at Rush University Medical Center here in Chicago, which I, which I thought was pretty cool. So This study gets into the GI tract and how it's your first line of contact with anything you ingest, which means it is at risk for damage uh, from any sort of toxins. And now more and more doctors are agreeing that if you do have poor GI health, you're going to be like unhealthy overall in some way, shape or form. And we can talk about that in a minute. Um, Okay. So there's, there's these researchers and they found that alcohol, especially if consumed chronically, like a few drinks a day. Um, or if it's binged, cause long-term inflammation, inflammation in your gut, and therefore the rest of your body. 
So they call it alcohol-induced intestinal inflammation, which leads to liver disease, as we know, neurological disease, GI cancers, and IBS. And this happens because though most of the alcohol we drink is processed in our livers, they found that the enzymes involved in metabolizing alcohol is also present in your intestinal mucosa, mucosa, which is the mucus lining your intestine. So what that means is if alcohol is being metabolized in the GI tract, it's disrupting the tissue, tissue homeostasis. So that's its normal state of being towards a chronic state of inflammation. So your tissue is being disrupted in your GI tract. So the study goes on to say that not only does this cause inflammation, but it also upsets and throws off the balance of the good and bad bacteria in your gut, and it causes overgrowth of that bad bacteria. And that leads to a whole bunch of issues and like a garden variety of IBS conditions. Um, I feel like almost everyone I know has IBS in some form, and whether or not it's caused by alcohol, it's alcohol is definitely not helping the IBS. So this study also gets into how alcohol affects immunity, your circadian rhythm, so your sleep, and a ton of other important bodily functions. This is a pretty easy read. I'm going to link this one in the show notes in case you guys uh, want to read it. But I want to talk about one more thing quickly as it relates to your health before I move on to some tips on how to drink less in January. Um, and maybe one of them is like bringing up these studies I'm telling you because everyone's going to hate you and no one's going to invite you over if you talk about how bad alcohol is for you. Uh, just kidding. Okay, so the mind-gut connection. If you haven't heard that before, that's the concept that explains, explains the bi-directional communication between your brain in the enteric nervous system, which exists in your gut. So your gut and your brain are connected through various pathways. Um, your vagus nerve, which is one of the longest nerves in the body, um, and it sends signals in both directions. So that's like why sometimes if you feel anxious about something, your stomach will hurt. Um, you might feel like you have to go to the bathroom. Uh, you know, I had a friend tell me once that like, when she would go through her ex's phone and through his text, her like she would immediately feel like she had to go to the bathroom. Her bowels would speed up, even though she didn't find anything. And that was because of her vagus nerve. Um, so your gut produces a large amount of hormones too, which influence your brain function. Like serotonin, for example, that is produced in the gut. I did not know that. Um, bet you didn't either, or maybe you did. So the bacteria in your gut it affects your brain health, things like your mood, cognition, how well you remember things. So we know we know the mind and gut are connected in multiple ways. So if maybe you know where I'm going with this as it relates to alcohol. On the gut side of things, when your gut is in a state of chronic inflammation, that doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? So that is going to affect your brain in some way. Now, alcohol does its own little dance on your brain, as we know, separate from what poor gut health can influence. So I found another study here. This was done in the UK also in 2017, and it investigates moderate alcohol consumption and its potential effects on cognitive decline. So I'll, I'll quickly summarize this here, but what, what they know to be true, this is, we've known this for a while, that over time, alcohol can shrink your hippocampus, which is the area of your brain associated with your memory. So you're not just forgetting stuff when you're boozing, but you're going to forget stuff like over time. 
even when you're sober. Um, the study also gets into how alcohol shrinks white and gray mate, uh, white and gray matter in the brain. So gray matter is associated with processing and interpreting information. And the white matter is what connects all the gray matter. So over time, alcohol shrinks these areas and alcohol abuse can actually eventually kill those brain cells. And once they're gone, they're gone. You're not going to get them back. So if you ever heard like someone say, oh, I'm killing my brain cells, like that's actually something that you can do. Um, so I'll link that study in the show notes too, in case you want to read it. Um, so that's, those are some things about alcohol that like you may have not heard before. And, you know, again, I'm, this is not dare, right? Like I, I feel like what we learned in dare was like, oh, you're going to get a DUI if you drink, you're going to do this, you're going to do things you regret, whatever. And like that never really, that doesn't work. Like we learned that in dare, right? Like, I don't know what they're teaching in schools now, but that didn't work for us. We still binge drank, you know, and sometimes in high school or college or whatever, when we're younger and the scare tactics do not work. But Presenting this information, I want you to look at lowering your alcohol intake as a strategy to improve your overall health. It's about the long game, okay? Life expectancies are going up because doctors and nurses, they can keep you alive for a very long time with modern medicine. But the thing is, is your quality of life might not be so great. So you might be alive, but you won't be enjoying it. Our quality of life is wholly dependent on the choices that we make. Uh, that, that part is up to us. So this information is meant to empower you and not scare you. Like I want you to make more mindful, better decisions because remember it's a lot cheaper to prevent a problem than to fix it. Okay. So mindfulness, that is my favorite buzzword. So the opposite of mindfulness is mindless, right? What makes drinking mindless? You go to a restaurant, first thing that the server asks, what can I get you started for drinks? You go to a friend's dinner party and they hand you a beverage when you walk through the door. You get home from work, you crack a beer. Those are all examples of mindless drinking. So it's not about the quantity of alcohol we're talking about, here, but it's, it's when you consume it, the lack of engagement you have with the drinking experience. It's not coming from a conscious decision, but a habit. And this is something ingrained in our society. So it kind of makes sense, right? That this is a habit for so many of us. Um, it's a worldwide phenomenon, but the trick here is to make engaging with alcohol an experience rather than a pastime. So Let's talk about that first before we get into drinking less. How do we drink better? Now, you might roll your eyes at me because you've probably heard this a million times before about how much better Europe does everything than the United States, but let's, let's look at Europe as an example. So check out this video that I took from uh, my trip to Sicily when I visited my family in February. Okay, so that was a video of my cousin, uh, Walter, playing music. He's a musician. He was playing music on some wine glasses. Um, every single meal was like this, lunch and dinner. Eating and drinking, it was slow, right? It was an experience 
the conversation, the activities, the liveliness of it was unmatched, but it was slow, an experience meant to enjoy multiple times a day. Um, You know, you're supposed to savor it. You savor the food, you savor the conversations, even the simple ones. So what are some things you can do to savor moments around alcohol? First, you you have to pick a drink that you actually enjoy, um, whether it's a Cabernet, espresso martini, or like a Topo Chico seltzer. I'm, I'm not judging, okay? But pick something that you actually like, not something that's just easy to throw back. Now, you also need to put the beverage in the correct vessel. So it doesn't need to be fancy, but like use an actual wine glass. Don't put it in a plastic cup from Disney World you got in the 90s. Use a martini glass. If you don't have one of these things, you don't need to spend a ton of money. I get most of my glassware from thrift stores and it's way cooler than anything you can buy like modern day. Um, So you have your beverage of choice, you have your glass. Now you need to actually enjoy it, okay? And it's not, it's more complicated, but also simpler than you think. Think about what the drink tastes like. What does it remind you of? Is there any special memories associated with this beverage? Can you pick out any notes in the wine? You need to actively engage with this beverage. Now, if you're alone, you can read a good book. You can enjoy some, some music, um, something that's going to keep your mind active instead of just doom scrolling on your phone, which is another mindless activity. Um, and if you're with other people, same thing, whatever you can do to be in the moment and like experience the drink, the conversation, the world around you with all of your senses, you need to do that. It's like a muscle that you need to, to practice with. Um, you know, when you, this is going to help you stay present. And when you stay present, you're going to be aware of your drinking and how much of it. And naturally this can lead to slowing down your consumption because you're cognizant of what you're putting in your body. So you need to be aware. You need to be present. I know this sounds a little bit weird, but you got to try it out. Um, now if you are really trying to drink less rather than just drink better, and you want to try out dry January, Let's talk about how to make that feasible. But first I wanna say this, because I am not a big believer in absolutes and abstinence when it comes to anything, especially alcohol. Um, Because I think if you're gonna go from like six to eight drinks a week to nothing, you are most likely setting yourself up for failure. When When we hold ourselves to these rigid standards, you know, it's easy to fail. And that makes us feel pretty crappy about ourselves. And we're not going to attempt to try again because our brain is designed to keep us safe and to protect us from those feelings of failure and inadequacy. So it's worth considering if a more flexible approach is is better and more sustainable for you. By all means, challenge yourself if you really want to do dry January. But take it from me, do not beat yourself up if you end up having a drink or two like The goal here is long-term sustainability and success. So how do you drink less? Let's get into some of my best tips, tried and true, on how you're going to drink less this dry January and maybe even beyond. Okay, so number one, you are going to become a planner. If you're not a planner, you're going to become one if you want to try the low alcohol life. So you're going to look at your schedule for the month and see what events you have planned. Maybe it's a DJ coming to town you want to go see, or you work in nightlife and you're working specific nights, or maybe you have a birthday party or a fancy dinner, whatever it is, you need to look at your schedule and you need to decide, um, 
which one of these events are worth having a drink, if any. For me, always comes down to the restaurants. Like if the restaurants have like a really great signature cocktail, then it's worth it for me to have a drink. And I know that a lot of restaurants also now have mocktails, so I can do one in one or whatever it is. But I'm not gonna like have a drink if a DJ is coming to town and I'm going to a club and all they have is vodka soda. That's that's just not worth it for me. Maybe it is for you. Um, now that you've got like a loose plan for your month, cause keep it loose, things could change. You're gonna have to carry that structure into the night or day of events. So let's say you work in the nightlife industry, you have like a dinner before you take an artist um, to the club or clients or whatever. You have to go into that night knowing what your limit is. So maybe it is one drink at dinner and then you switch to soda water and lime at the club. Or maybe it's like a mocktail at dinner because you wanna have a couple of drinks with the artist or your clients or your guests or whatever. at the club. So you need to make a plan and stick to it, which seems not so fun, but that is what you have to do. Like if you want to try this sober life, because otherwise the night will get away from you. And again, you'll feel that feeling of failure and that's just not fun for anybody. Um, okay. Number three, you're going to need to exercise discipline when you go to these events. I've talked about this before. You're going to wait a minimum of an hour before you decide if you're going to drink anything. So most dinners and nights out last longer than that. So like get through your appetizers or order a mocktail and get through your appetizers and and then be like, okay, do I, do I want to drink now? And if you do fine, so be it. Um, you might actually find that you don't want anything. Um, and you've eaten up a bunch of time from not drinking same thing at the club, wait an hour. Like don't just go straight to the bar because that's what everyone else does. Or if you do get water, whatever. Uh, Okay, lastly, I'm sure I'll get pushed back on this. Keep a journal, even if it's on your phone in your notes app. I like, I have, um, I have journal journals, but even if it's on your phone, whatever. It sounds silly, but we tend to forget about like life is so busy that we just things blow past us and, and we can't remember, at least that's the case for me. So regardless of if you drink or not, or you have, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, whatever, write down how you're feeling when you get home before bed and bonus points. If you do it, you know, the next morning when you wake up and just write down a couple notes about your night, how you felt, what you liked, what you didn't, because you're going to look back at these notes and then a pattern will start to develop and that will give you some insight on how much you need to cut back your drinking. Maybe it's not at all, but keep a journal. Um, yeah, you'll be really surprised. Now I want to talk about mocktails because there's this huge misconception that a mocktail is just sugary water and that cannot be further from the case. There are so many amazing, nice restaurants and bars in Chicago that have a full mocktail menu that use like sophisticated, cool ingredients, like infused tonics, sipping vinegar. So you're not getting a sugar bomb. Like you're getting a well thought out curated drink. Um, however, not everywhere is on board with the mocktail trend yet. So you may be wondering what can I order if I can't get a mocktail and I don't just want like a Sprite, um, Sparkling water with a twist of lemon and lime, always a good option. Or you can do soda water with like a splash of juice, cranberry, pineapple. Uh, Or one of my favorite things is soda water or seltzer, whatever sparkling they have. Get the bartender. They'll do it. They make drinks 
you know, with alcohol, they can make this drink. Basically, muddle some mint, uh, lemon, lime, orange with soda water and like a wedge of each. And it tastes just like a cocktail, sort of. But the most important thing here is you need to get these drinks in a cocktail glass. Don't let them bring it to you like in a regular glass that they would put, you know, a kid's soda in or whatever, because you want to feel like a grown up. So have them put it in a regular cocktail glass. And I promise you, like most places will oblige. They understand that people are trying to drink less and it's not a big deal. Um, so as for mocktail brands, you can try at home. I have plenty of recs because I've tried a bunch. The first one I will always recommend because it is the first mocktail I've ever tried. And I love them. I love the, um, founder and her mission. She's an amazing woman, uh, Bon Buzz. So this is a non-alcoholic spirit. Um, so it can be mixed with pretty much anything, soda water, juices, whatever. There's a couple different flavors, uh, the OG and then like the slow burn, which is a sweet heat. Um, and they also just came out with like canned, uh, versions. So those are easy to transport places. And um, their products are made with nootropics, adaptogens, amino acids. So you're getting like that awake and social feeling without, you know, being drunk or hungover the next day. Um, so this will always be my first choice. Second choice is Seed Lip. Um, this is another alcohol-free spirit. I like the Garden 108. It gives me like a gin vibe. It's not um, advertised as a gin replacement, but... Uh, you know, like a mocktail gin fizz or a Tom Collins, like anything like that. Um, I, I really love Sea uh, Lip for that. And then Ritual. So Ritual makes non-alcoholic alternatives. So they have like a tequila that's non-alcoholic, uh, a gin. Um, what else? They have a whiskey and then a rum. And I have to say, out of all the ones I've tried, the whiskey one is my favorite. I make non-alcoholic hot toddies with it all winter with like the lemon, um, like a lemon throat coat tea and then the non-alcoholic whiskey. It's fantastic to have before bed. I love it. Um, so that's really cool because you can use ritual to basically replace the alcohol and drink recipes you already know and love. Um, and then moving on to non-alcoholic wine, my last rec, I love groovy spelled G R U V I. Um, this is actually a Chicago brand I found out. I didn't realize that, uh, but you can buy online. Their dry secco is so good. It's not sugary. It tastes like a Prosecco. And I believe they have a rosé, like a, a red blend, um, and then beer as well. So that's really great, you know, if you're like a wine or beer person and you want an alternative. So if you take away anything from this episode, I hope that it's a better understanding that living a low alcohol life is a journey. And I don't believe in changing your life in one foul swoop because it's the start of a new year or a new job or you just had a breakup, whatever. It's all about sustainability and making changes um, for your life that are just going to be easy to implement and benefit you in the long run. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I'm asking you to please share with your friends, maybe somebody who you wanna try out dry January with, or you want to try living a lower alcohol lifestyle with, it's always great to have a buddy to do this with you. I hope you guys have a wonderful and safe new year, and I will see you in 2024.